0: My name is Kerry Kite. I'm an Air Force veteran and a writer, filmmaker, and entrepreneur. Day to day, I produce advertising content for a creative agency in New York City. Through this podcast, I'm turning my passion into practice. I separated from the Air Force in 2010, and since that time, through using the post-911 GI Bill to go to college, working hourly jobs to pay the bills, and freelancing my way into a career, I've studied what it takes to successfully transition from service to civilian. And that study has become a conversation. On this podcast, I speak to other veterans, successful artists, and entrepreneurs about their transition, what they did well, where they failed, what they learned, and most importantly, how they applied their skills. Episode 24 features Cedric Terrell, a United States Marine, photographer, and entrepreneur. We talked about putting in the work to discover paths that put you in a position so that whatever decision you make, it's a good one. Welcome. This is Veteran Made. All right, Cedric, welcome! Thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. Awesome! Yeah, we got to uh, we got to meet up in person for the first time in this in this uh, this new um, work remote world. So we got to I was in New York, you were in New York last week, so we got to to meet up in person for the first time, which is cool. Yeah, it was great. It was great. Thanks for coming out to Queens. Absolutely, I should say just I mean this this episode oh, here yeah. in January. So last week was um, <laughs> the beginning of December for for those that. Uh, for those that, that are wondering. Um, but um, but yeah, so I would love if we could just jump right in and chat a little bit about kind of who you are and what you're doing now, and then we'll, we'll go back to the beginning of your service journey and go from there.
1: Uh, yeah, so my name is Cedric Tarot. Uh, I am a photographer director, uh, working in advertising, fashion, um, and lifestyle. That's awesome. And all over
0: the world, right? New York, LA, <laughs> Paris.
1: Yes, yes, yeah. uh, a bit all over the world, yeah. Uh, I've lived most recently in New York, and then LA before that, and then DC before that. Um, but now I'm spending most of my time between Paris and New York.
0: Yeah, it's cool. I definitely want to. We'll chat a little bit more about that when when we get there, because um, it's 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 a cool process that you're going through to um to um to get to get work in in all places. Um, so what what branch did you join? When did you join? And and kind of what was your what was your your
1: genesis of for joining? Um, so I joined the Marine Corps in 2005, um, uh, I graduated high school and was in boot camp like five days, seven days later. Um, and I did not realize or did not think that I would join the military until, uh, midway through my junior year. Um, I was in JROTC, but even then thought that I would do other things and that the military was like not good an option for me that I was going to go to school I was going to study music. Um, and eventually ended up deciding to join the Marines. I wanted to get out of Florida. Um, that was part of one of my big motivations. I wanted to see the world. Um, yeah. And so it was just like, okay, this is a good way out. So let's go. Yeah. What made you choose the Marine Corps? Um, I'm one of those cheesy people that say the uniform. Um, but you know, I, I, I definitely, um, looked at the Marines as, you know, sort of like to me the best, um, the hardest, The there was this, this strange camaraderie that I saw from like my ROTC instructor when he was around other the Marines um, that I didn't see with other branches. And so it was like, I was intrigued by that sense of, you know, brotherhood for lack of a better word, um, that, you know, really um, sort of that like initial motivation sort of sparked the idea of being part a part of that.
0: Very cool. Um... And then did you, did you join with like a set MOS in mind or a set job in mind? I know like in the Air Force, you can go in like, you know, open general or open medical or open whatever. Did you have kind of a track in mind or did you just go in with kind of that open option?
1: Yeah, I mean, I kind of went more, I knew it was going to be, be something more administrative. Um, I tried to do sort of the illegal, you know, sort of like, I forget what they call it, like legal clerks working with them, like the JAG officers, um, and then there were some other sort of air, I ended up actually working in the air wing, but I wanted to do, be like a meteorologist, you know, those types of jobs that I thought were interesting, um, but quickly was like, found out that that was going to be a no for me. Um, just my, you know, they were disqualified for some of those things. to be like my color vision and all these things. I was like, okay, so um, just ended up being admin, um, an administrator, personnel clerk. Yeah.
0: Awesome. And where were you, um, so where were you first stationed out of, out of boot
1: camp? Uh, So boot camp then to North Carolina for training, Um, you know, the continued training that Marine does in in North Carolina. And then uh, my first duty station was Miramar in San Diego, California. Yeah. Awesome. Far, uh, other, other coast, far cry from Florida. (laughs) Yes. A far cry. It was like, get me as far away as you can. Um, Yeah. And San Diego was like, I mean, I felt, I felt spoiled in a way. Um, It was a great first duty station compared to people I knew who are like still in North Carolina or went to other random places where there wasn't a lot to do when you weren't working. Right. Yeah, for sure. I grew up, I grew up in San Diego, uh,
0: North County, just outside of uh, Camp Pendleton. So, uh, you know, North, North of Miramar, but, uh, but still kind of in, in that area. What was that transition mm-hmm. like for you from Florida to obviously, you know, through North Carolina and, and, you know, boot camp and, and uh, you know, in that, that kind of first aspect of of training like you get some freedom but not like a ton of freedom not the same amount that you do at your first duty station so what was that transition like from Florida to California you got what you wanted which was somewhere far away um, right and
1: what was that transition like uh it was interesting I mean I I never left Florida and Georgia you know that's where my family's from that's where I grew up so this was like a big leap from that um and it was luckily you know um, my journey into like those early parts of the Marine Corps and boot camp and through training I was I started to develop make some friends and we all ended up in some of the same duty stations and we were near each other so that helped sort of in that transition where I had people I could go out with and do stuff with and I didn't feel like I was just on my own in some new place um, and luckily I had you know I was able to get my car sent out so then I was able to like explore Southern California and go to the beach and go to the desert and um go to LA on fun weekends and so it was it was really cool but initially it was like I felt like a small person in a really big world um but slowly started to like find my footing and start to explore more and realize that I just liked exploring um new places. Yeah were you I mean because you felt small like that were you nervous to explore or did that kind of kickstart that desire to explore? Um, I think it really started it started that desire. I mean, I was a curious kid. I was a creative kid growing up that, that's how I got in the most, in the most amount of trouble <laughs> or like wanted to get into stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I think that it, I was now in an environment to allow me to sort of embrace the creativity, um, even being in San Diego, you know, that was, uh, it was, it was interesting. It was different. Um, And I sort of fully embraced it. Um, and it sort of also set the tone for my desire to do something outside of San Diego and to request new assignments and do things within the Marine Corps that would take me on, um, to new things. Not that I felt like I had done everything there, but I wanted to do something else. For sure. Now, as you were exploring, like, did you
0: have a camera in hand yet? Or is that something that you had discovered or brought with you?
1: I had like a point and shoot that I think I bought right after boot camp. you know, some cheap photo, you know, camera just to like be able to like take whatever random photos with the Marines at the barracks and Marine Corps ball and like nothing that was, had composition, nothing that had any sort of elements of like photography. was just like snapping photos. Um, It wasn't until uh, a little bit later that I started to encounter some photographers or or other Marines that had professional cameras that I realized that I wanted, you know, I want one of those Um, and I kind of want to explore what that looks like. What
0: did um, your your kind of desire to explore things outside of San Diego, maybe other other uh, duty stations within the Marine Corps? How quickly did you get another assignment? How how long did you spend in at Miramar?
1: So I was at Miramar for about a year and a half, two years total, somewhere in there, um, and I think about a year maybe like a year in, um, I was like ready for something else. I mean, I was doing you know admin work, sitting at a desk most of the time and I wanted to um, get out and do something different. So I, there was a unit leaving on my base. I, re- I worked for the headquarters squadron, so we ran the entire base. So I um, we could not deploy, we were non-deployable, but there was a unit leaving. I asked if I could join that unit just for their deployment to go to Iraq um, and got denied. Um, and then I made a couple other requests that were similar to that in KTU to get you know denied. Um, But luckily, I had a friend who was a um, career planner. He told me about an opportunity that if I applied for it, my command could not tell me no, um, which was guarding embassies as Marine Security Guard. So I applied for that at my year, I would say year and a half mark is when I applied for that. Um, Got accepted in that quickly sort of, okay. I was like out of orders, you know, packing up, um, moving to Virginia for training um, before leaving the country after that.
0: The It always pays to know people. This is true, like the, within the military and also on the outside of the military, like being friends with people that know things that you don't know that can give you that inside track to go get something that you want, especially if you're getting denied over and over and over again.
1: Right, right. Yeah. And this is, it's one of those things where like, if I had been talking about it and sort of expressing some of the challenges I was having, I would have never known that this existed. But it was like, because I was willing to like, to have these conversations with people and kind of be open, which I was learning to do also in um, the Marines, just like trust some of the people who were senior to me, um, you know, it's like that allowed for me to like discover this opportunity, which ended up being completely changing my life. So, yeah. Uh, okay. So training in Virginia, how long is the training for, for guarding embassies? Uh, it's about three months. Um, three months. Yeah. It's about three months. So um, and it sort of you know builds on the things you've already done. You know you're learning to be a diplomat. You're learning to, to work cameras and deal with apprehend people in diplomatic ways. Um, you know different <laughs> different kind of training than you're getting trained for in boot camp and uh, before deployment. Um, but yeah, so that was three months in in Quantico at Quantico, um, trained by the State Department, doing some stuff with the FBI Academy. Um, but then also like this special division of the Marines, that just handles embassies. That's badass. Did you did you enjoy that training? Yeah, it was fun. I mean, like you feel like you're in like, I don't know, some Jason Bourne movie sometimes because it's like, you know, you're going through clearing houses with like it, yeah, it's fun. It was a very different experience. Um, because you're around civilians too. So that also made it interesting. You weren't just with a bunch of Marines who were being trained by people who like hang out with like heads of state all the time. So that was pretty fun. Was,
0: um, now obviously the, like the, the genesis of you wanting to apply for and take that position was to, to be, you know, deployable or to go somewhere different, right. To like get out right. and, and go do something different. That being said, was there any like apprehension about what the job actually itself was? Were, or were you just like, this is a ticket out. I want to go do this thing. Or was there, or even excitement about that job? Like, oh, wow, this is both an opportunity for me to go get out and do something different and also go do this cool thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, I was always, I'm always, and always have been someone who's like willing to volunteer for something like put me in coach, like whatever it is, I don't even need to know all of the information. I trust the system sometimes, you know, that I'm not going to put myself in a situation where like something neg- negative is going to happen to me. But if I feel like the people who are my leaders and are around me have my best interest at heart, it's like, okay, great. So yeah, put me in. Where are you, where, where are we going? What are we doing? um there was apprehension because i there were a lot of unknowns in terms of where i was going like they're you know they're marines in every kind con- all over well not every country but all over the world and it was kind of like i have no say so in where i end up um so <laughs> there was like a bit of apprehension in that because you know just didn't know what kind of freedom i was going to have if i was going to have any at all i knew marines who were in certain embassies where they can do anything they can drink in the country they can go out in the country the country wasn't safe to be in but they still had to be there so it's kind of you know and that's for a year um so it was kind of you know there was some some uncertainty there for sure
0: did you get to make a list of of places based on uh desire is it literally filling a billet
1: no not the first time um yeah okay you know this first the first round your first assignment is just given to you based on your skills based on your abilities based on whatever needs someone feels like you, you you checks in the box you have um and so yeah i mean you go in one day and you find out where you're going and it's like oh okay i don't know where that is let me look that up on a map you know like you think you know where things are but um yeah
0: where um
1: uh so where did you get where did you get where'd you go beijing was my first assignment um Yeah, which was like, I wanted to go far away from home and that was as far as I could get, you know. Uh, (laughs) I didn't expect it to be Beijing, but um, it was kind of amazing to be there. I got assigned to go to Beijing. I got there in 2007. The Olympics were going to be in 2008. So it was like a unique time to see the city change. Um, And that was when I was like, okay, I need to buy a camera. Um, I want to capture all these things that I'm seeing. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, that's really, to me, when I think the, when photography started for me that's when it started when i touched down in beijing so where did that where did that desire come from
0: though like more deeply i mean you see that and you're like okay cool i want to i want to capture this but like where did the where did the desire to capture come from um
1: i mean really to um i'm the first person from my family to like live abroad um to like travel the world i have an uncle who has traveled and done a lot of amazing things but he's blind um and so he's done all these I mean he's with my role model growing up and still is to this day that he's gone out and done all these things but not have been able to see it um and not be able to like visually share that with the rest of the family and so that felt like something I should do um to like capture what I was seeing in ways that at first weren't technical they were just capturing but then I started to kind of become obsessed with the camera and realize that like you can create beautiful images. You can create things that are, are pretty and start and that that's, that's kind of what did it. Um, and my first camera wasn't like a very complex camera. It was just a professional camera, like the lowest grade professional camera. Um, but using that, I was able to learn and teach myself um, to, you know, photography, which was, at that point was still just for me. It was for me and my family to share and not for any sort of like public consumption. That's beautiful. Um, So it
0: really started for you as something that was um, like basic and fundamental, not basic in like the new parlance sense, but like, like very basic, very fundamental, very um, like uh, fundamentals driven in order to just provide a service to your family. And then was there an aspect of it for you that was like learning a new skill or learning a new trade? Or was it strictly like, I'm just
1: going to Capture the stuff so that I can share it. Um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely something about learning. Um, you know, there, there. My time in in Beijing wasn't restrictive, but I did have a bit of free time where I had to figure out how to entertain myself in ways that didn't, you know, that were that worked with the rules of being in the country. Um, and so, learning how to, you know, edit photos and put them on my computer and do those types of things did become something that intrigued me and I wanted to learn more um and of course once you have a camera then people start asking you to do more things with the camera so all of a sudden I'm like the detachment photographer and I'm like well I don't know how to take the headshots of all the marines but sure I'll figure it out you know and so the marine who was doing it before I arrived it's like yeah so this is how we do it this is how we edit it this is how we print them so now that person leaves and now I'm the detachment photographer um which was cool because it's like oh this is actually like now it's kind of a job it's just this cool duty the skill that i can like now give to everyone else, share with everyone else um and then you know a i think it was jimmy carter was coming to the embassy for a visit and wanted to take a photo with the marines and so i got to take photos of jimmy carter hanging out with the marines and i was like holy shit this is this is cool okay like this is this is I don't know, it became something much more than I even imagined it could be, or knew that photography was. I didn't know what photography was. Um, I thought it was just taking, for me, again, just taking pictures. Um, but those opportunities kept happening because of the job that I had and the access that I had.
0: Yeah, that's this cool. Okay, so two 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 questions, kind of two places I wanna go here. So first, um, how quickly did, or rather, was there any, so if this thing started as something you wanted to have for yourself and then share with your mm-hmm. family, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it pretty quickly, it sounds like morphed into something more than that, not not just mm-hmm. that, right? You were still doing right. that. Was there any sort of, um, again, like apprehension, I hate to keep using that word, but was there any like, no, 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 this is for me. This is for my family. I don't want to expand this. I don't want to kind of like include other people in this. This is just for us. Or was it like, oh,
1: wow, this is, I can just do more and well i mean i think that like you know getting to photograph a president you know it was like my family is never going to believe this you know that i got to meet this person you know that i'm standing here with connelly's rice that like you know like so even in that it was still to share you know it's like using facebook i was like i go back and look at the old albums and i was like wow i was sharing all these things when like with my family or you know with my family with my friends everyone back home in florida uh, all of these adventures and, and things that I was sort of experiencing, um, which kind of made me feel cool, you know, in a way, because I get to like show all of this, which again, I can never dream of my family never could dream of for me, but I'm out here doing it. Um, and so it was less about apprehension, but more sort of just like an excitement, like things were just happening. And I was just sort of just like fully leaning into and leaning into life. Um, and then starting to ask for these things too. Uh, Cause I went to, There was a G8 summit in Japan in 2008 and president, uh, I was working with the white house on this assignment and the president Bush was going to be flying out and in front of air force one and want to take a photo with all the Marines. So all the Marines who have been working this assignment, go to this tarmac and I say, can I photograph the president while he's walking up the steps of air force one? And someone says yes. And it's like, Holy crap. Now I have these photos of like, The president and the first lady on the steps of Air Force One, it looks like I'm an official press photographer for the White House. Um, It's like I can't recreate that in my own life like that only existed in that moment. And so it was those types of things that made me ask for more and start to like push even more to see what else that I could do and get myself into.
0: That's so cool. It's funny as as you're talking, I'm thinking about like how many of us would want to be the people in those photos with those presidents or with those heads of state or with those you know cabinet members or or whatever um, whatever position Ms. Rice had at the time it's like the but you're like you want to be the one taking the photo, which I think is so so cool it has that like that um, almost uh, kind of like mirrored mirrored version of, of of maybe what the rest of us might want um what was it like to to want to be in that position rather than wanting to be in the photos um
1: I don't or was know. that I mean, just was... like
0: for, i mean it just makes made sense to you because you were behind the camera
1: yeah i mean i i have photos with all these people as well because of course i'm what i was one of the marines there so i had to be in the photo sure um but to me it was actually way more interesting to to just i don't know i like being a fly on the wall i'm always i'm a very very visual person so for me being able to see these things happen um was always actually the most interesting because I've always seen these photos of like oh you know it's just like everyone gets in with this person and they take a photo and then like that photo gets printed and you know and then you get it whatever that there that exists but um there's something interesting about being able to say I created that I captured that I was there for that moment um, especially if you look as you look back in history it is it like you know iconic photos or photos that have been captured of people that are no longer here. um you know, to be able to those those photos say something they hold value that um, more than that then I think I don't know, I don't think you can sort of understand in the moment. and so, yeah, but I don't think I understood that then, but I kind of understand that a little bit more now, right. you were just in the
0: moment at that time, just, yeah, participating in the way that you felt most important to you, most meaningful to you. Right. Yeah. Cool. So, okay. So you're on this journey. It's like morphing into something more, um, and becoming, it sounds like really cool. Um, I mean, who else did like, what else did, what other, you know, trips did you get to go on? What other things did you get to do while you were there? Like what, like how did the journey like
1: really unfold for you? Um, yeah, I mean that Japan trip for the G8 summit was amazing. The, um, the, I got to go to Thailand. We had to go to Thailand for rifle training, and so I got to go to Thailand twice again. Never thought that that would be a thing that I would get to do, and I got to do it. Um, and then, so it was, you know, President Jimmy Carter, uh, President uh, George H. W. Bush. Um, you know, I guarded Condoleezza Rice while she was like sleeping outside. I was outside her bedroom guarding her, and then she, you know, the next morning we get to take a photo with her. So it's just like these surreal moments were happening. Um and then there was a moment when I was preparing to leave. I found out that I was going to El Salvador next. Um and so leaving you know, oh and the Olympics sorry so yeah that was a big one too so running around the Olympics with a camera was kind of a really cool thing to do as well um and were then you doing leaving- that the Olympics as a as a civilian just like you were yeah. there so you went with your, yeah. in your civvies and yeah okay yeah 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 so just as a civilian um everything we did everything I did outside of the embassy was mainly as a civilian um you know you're not a marine when you're not working <laughs> you can't be right uh sure. not not in China um But as I was leaving Beijing to go to El Salvador, I was preparing to just like do some prints for myself. Again, this was very much for me. Um, So I printed out some of my favorite photos for that full year um, and was going to have them printed and framed. And when I was, I returned to the frame shop to pick up some of the prints and the owner of the frame shop told me that someone wanted to buy one of the photos that was printed. And so my brain's like, doesn't quite understand what this means that like someone wants to buy something that I captured on a photo um but that was the moment where I realized like, like oh you can like make money doing this this isn't just uh you know a, this is you know it's art thing it's like no you can actually make money um and so that was like the kind of the shift for me where I was like okay I'm gonna dig deeper into this I'm gonna do something different with this when I get to El Salvador I'm gonna like figure out new ways to use photography as a medium that um, eventually can make some side money, maybe a little side hustle. Um yeah, and that that snowballed out of control at that basically at that point. Yeah.
0: Um so how long were you in El Salvador and how, how did that that plan go? How did it unfold?
1: El Salvador, I was there for uh one year. So each each one of my posts was for a year. So I was in El Salvador for a year. Um and while I was there, I started to photograph people because up until this point, it was only like street scenes and sort of more like a photojournalistic documentary photography. Um, but now it's like, okay, I want to do portraits of people. So I started photographing all the Marines. If you were a Marine and you weren't working, you were my model for the day. <laughs> you know, like yeah. my my boss's kids were, you know, like practicing photos on the kids, you know, like, you know, so if someone was getting married, you know, asking a pay hey, mind, you know, can I come to your wedding, you know, and like just try this thing from the background and not get in the way of the photographer. At this point, I was now starting to read photography blogs and realizing that, you know, showing up to a wedding with a camera is not a thing you do um, without permission from the like photographer who's actually shooting it. So um, yeah, I showed up. this is again, one of those moments where they changed things. I went to a wedding, um, was hanging out, taking photos in the background. The photographer who was actually shooting the wedding came up to me um, and wanted to see some of the photos I shared. He liked what he saw. Um, and he let me assist him and come out on events and weddings and, and be like a second shooter. Um, eventually eventually started paying me. And so then now I was actually like, it was all coming together that like, okay, this is a thing you do. This is how you make money doing this. These are the things I need to add to my portfolio in order to get the work that I want to be doing, or that I thought I wanted to do at that time, which was weddings. And it's definitely not, uh, weddings anymore. Sure. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So okay, I want to press pause and and double tap on a, on a few things there. So going into the mm-hmm. trip to El Salvador, you had started reading some blogs to get an idea of. So oh, sorry. So going into the trip to El Salvador, you discovered, oh, you can make money doing this, and and that could right. just be like a couple bucks here and there, right? Like oh, your pictures right. are nice, right. yeah, yeah. But you took that a step further and thought to yourself, okay, I can make money doing this. Um, how can I make the most, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you said, how can I make the most <laughs> money that I can doing this? And so you started reading yeah. blogs and doing your own research to figure out how to actually do that instead of just continuing to let it unfold that way. Like you took the initiative to figure out right. what's the best way for me to approach this.
1: Right. So on lead between like El Salvador or between Beijing and El Salvador, I sold my camera, um, upgraded my gear a little bit. Um, and started to set myself up to be able to do a little bit more of the work that I thought that I wanted to do. So, like, yeah, definitely digging into blogs, um, looking at photography websites, other photographers who were doing this types of work that I thought were just interesting and nice. Um, yeah, and it's sort of it's it was a a lot of learning. That was when I really think I started to like learn um,
0: what photography was. Now in your mind at this time, is this still just going to be a lucrative side hustle or in the back of your mind, are you thinking, Hey, I can do this
1: while I'm in the Marines Corps and then this could become my career. Yeah, no, at this point it was still just a side hustle. I thought that I was going to be a career Marine and stay in 20 years and do all, you know, go back to the States and be a drill instructor. You know, that was like my, my other plan, you know, to stay in the Marines. Um, So yeah, it wasn't until I was going to school online uh, during this time and I had a great boss who like really pushed education and then made me start to think, should I actually just go back to school, get out of the Marines, go back to school and do this photography thing. as a side thing. Um, and that's sort of when that idea started to sort of like, you say, creep into my brain. Um,
0: yeah. But even then, I mean, just like, it is, I think, important for people to realize like, You were still putting work into what you thought was just a side side hustle, right? Like, you know, it's, it's not, it doesn't, it's obviously eventually ended up turning into a a full-time career for you, but it doesn't have to be that binary. Like we can still put effort into these side hustles and we can put effort in to learning these new skills that can, you know, generate some revenue for us, even if
1: it's not, you know, our full, our full-time gig. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I think that there's there's such a benefit to, it. not that it was a safety blanket, but it was like I had like the, the Marine Corps was almost like gave me the freedom financially to be able to explore and make mistakes and try things um, and realize what worked and what didn't work. Um, and I think that I'm most valuable for that time where I had a full-time job to start to explore this world. So then when I took that step out of that, um, I felt so much more confident in my ability to like, okay, I'm going to be successful in this because I've been putting in the work up until this point.
0: Yeah, that's huge. It's huge. I mean, for service members that are still in right now, either knowing they're going to transition out, you know, one, two, four, you know, six, 10 years from now, right? Like you can start preparing right. now and use the the time and service as, you know, a foundational, um, you know, a platform to to build some of these other things. And, and to your point, to explore and make mistakes and try things. Oh, yeah. Maybe you try new things yeah. and you're not good at it. Maybe you try something and you don't like it, you know, but you kind of have
1: that freedom to oh, yeah. work with them. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think the education element of that was like the thing that I wish I had done actually earlier was like start school, start school earlier my, while I was on active duty. So I didn't realize that like one that I could be using, you know, active duty money to like or whatever uh, tuition assistance to pay for my degree and then still have my full gi bill after like yeah. someone should have told me that like in the beginning yeah. you know um yeah. because that would have been just sort of such a benefit that if i had understood that or known that oh. um yeah
0: a hundred percent i mean i made i made i i did part of why i host this podcast is because i'm like talking to myself from 15 <laughs> 20 years ago you know it's like i didn't take advantage of any of these things. Literally the only thing I took advantage of was the GI Bill when I got out. And I don't regret yeah. anything. I, I look back on on right. my on my four years in the Air Force and I look back on on you know going to college and, and doing all these things. I, I look back on it fondly and, and I look at this as an opportunity to um to have you know conversations that can help other folks. I, I don't I'm it's not like a woe is me. I regret it. But I did right. not take advantage of any of this stuff. I mean I was single I didn't have kids nothing. I could have I could have used tuition assistance tuition reimbursement to get a leg up and then perhaps get you know um a post secondary degree or something when i got out using right. part of the gi bill i just, those things i just never i never thought about them let alone thought about uh about you know building a side hustle or building what could potentially become a second career while i was in so people you know right. should absolutely take advantage of those things while while they're while they're in especially now with the advent of you know i mean social media and all the content creating opportunities—it's just insane. Um, right. Okay, cool. So when did it start to? You said it creeped into your the back of your brain while you were going to school. Like, hey, maybe this could be a career. Maybe I don't want to be a career marine. Um, a, how did that unfold for you? B, was there any? You know, again, like, did, were you just excited? Like, okay, cool. I don't want to be a, a career marine. I want to go do this. Was there? Any, did you have to let go of that at all?
1: What was it? What was it like? Yeah, I mean, I definitely had to let go of that, and I think that was like actually became where it became the biggest challenge because also now I'm telling people that like, hey, I'm thinking about getting off, getting off active duty and going back to school and doing this photography thing. and everyone, everyone was like, well, most of my family is like, why, like why, why give up the stability? Why you have healthcare, you have this, you have that? Why do why give up all of that to do to do photography? Which of course at that point I wasn't making enough money to be like, oh, like because I, I can, can fully support myself. Right. Um, but then I had some really good, um, you know, good leaders around me in, in in El Salvador that had, they all had degrees and they had done, you know, they had done more than just, um, you know, work every day. And they were like investing in themselves and investing in their potential futures when they were going to leave the Marines and sort of giving me a lot of ideas of what I could do, Um that I could go to school, do GI bill, get a part-time job if I really wanted to, but also that I could do photography and showing me examples of like, you know, pushing me to like find more examples and showing me examples of photographers that were making money um, or creatives that were making money and all the the other avenues that I could take if I wanted to. So um, yeah, but that was like probably the biggest challenge because I was giving up a dream um, of, you know, making it to a certain rank Having these certain jobs in the Marines and doing these certain you know deployments and all these different things that I thought I really wanted to do, um, to then give all that up, yeah, that was tough. That was that was a that was a that was the biggest <laughs> crossroads. And I'm a person who loves to take a leap of faith, but that was like the biggest um, challenge throughout this process. Yeah. How long? How long did it take you to to come to terms with that? Well, I realized that I could at least apply to schools, um, and if I got in, I got in, but that didn't mean I had to go, because um, I still had some time while in El Salvador to figure out before I needed to give notice to the Marine Corps if I was staying in or not, um, so I started to do both. I started to continue to, of course, do what I wanted to do in the Marines, but still, like, the same Marine working just as hard for the next promotion to doing all those things in case I was going to stay, but then at the same time, building a website and starting to market myself and, you know, and starting to like understand what like, okay, these are the places I'm applying to school. Let's look at what photography is like in those cities. Um, and sort of, yeah, it was like, I was doing two things all at the same time to sort of again, ensure that no matter what decision I made, it was a good decision. Smart.
0: Were you looking at schools to study fine art, to study photography, or were you looking to study a broader degree and and also do photography on the side?
1: Um, I was going to study business. So I went to, I ended up going to American University in Washington, DC um, and studying business, um, going for my bachelor's in in business with a focus in marketing. Um, To me, it felt like the the most important thing I could do as a photographer was to know how to market myself um, and know how to run a business and know sort of those, um, how to, yeah, I think that was going to be like, set me up for success. Uh, So that's the direction I went.
0: Yeah, smart and rare. Um, What do you think what do you think it was that gave you the insight that as a creative and artistic person, I should also have some, you know, kind of career logistics in mind? Like, is that just how you're wired?
1: I think that's just how I'm wired. Um, You know, I was looking for things that were compatible together, you know, looking for um, also things i was going to be good at you know i felt like i was an entrepreneur when i was in high school i wasn't great at math i wasn't great at you know science but i was good at sort of understanding you know what sometimes seems like common sense which is like business you know and how sure. people function and what people desires um and how to you know sell people sell sell things to people um and so that i wanted to sort of expand upon that which i felt like business would do for me but also That if I was going to be a photographer, I really like to me, it was just like a direct connection to like business. And I think that's where most people I know who are artists, they fail at like the business side of things of um, knowing how to deal with money and manage, do accounting. And, you know, all of those types of things are the challenges for for most creatives that I know. Um, You know, I know that now, but even then I felt like I knew that those were the skills I needed.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's twofold, right? You have to know how to run your own business. You have to know how to do those things for yourself, right? Because you're going to be compensated for the, for the art, for the work that you're performing. But if you're going to be doing client work, working whether it's through an agency or direct to client, you should understand how their business operates, or at least have an idea of how business operates so that you can have those conversations oh, yeah. with them. So you're meeting them where they're at instead of just being like, well, no, I just take pretty pictures for you. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I love
1: being in a meeting with a client and being able to speak their language. You know, like we're talking about analytics and we're talking about return on investment. We're talking about this, we're talking about that. And for me to understand that sometimes they're su- surprised, but I'm like, well, I kind of, <laughs> thanks for, you know, thanks American University for giving me some of those things, but I've continued to sort of build on those. Like it laid the foundation. I eventually, I didn't graduate from America and I ended up dropping out from that, you know, degree program um Because photography started to become too busy and occupied so much more of my time, and I was like, okay, well, I just need to like really lean into this and finish this later, if that be the case. Um, but that, yeah, it was extremely beneficial.
0: Okay, yeah, so um we're there. Like, I want to talk through. I love a good. All right. Lo- no, you're good. Getting that <laughs> uh, that battery. Uh, yeah. That battery. No, no, you're good. Um, I love a good, I love a good college dropout story. And <laughs> I think, especially when it comes to, you know, creative folks or folks in the arts or or in production or marketing or whatever it is. And so, you know, we're there. I'd love to take us through, take us through what, obviously you and I were talking about this a bit in person last week, but so walk us through like what the cadence was like at American in DC you start a business. You're kind of following through on all these things as you've as you've separated out, um, and just kind of walk us through what the cadence was like. What was your life like at the time, and how are you how are you balancing studies and photography?
1: Yeah, uh, photography at that time was very rudimentary. <laughs> um, no, I I I, I um, moved to DC in January 2011. I started school in february 2011 so it was like a little bit of a when it was my first like the winter winter where there was like snow on the ground that was like a culture shock for me um i was like what what is happening um but i would have class three four days a week and i would find opportunities to shoot in the evenings or before class you know if i had it if i needed to um you know, if I could find like a client that wanted headshots and that took an hour, I would do that in the morning and then jet off to class. Um, and I was really kind of like burning the candle at both ends to, because um, I was so hungry for the creative, I wanted to be doing the photography, but I needed to go to school because um, I was on a GI Bill that was subsidizing my rent, you know, and subsidizing like a life in DC. So I needed to be able to like keep both going. Um, I'm sure that, and- I'm sure that B A H is nice. It's pretty good actually yeah, yeah not, bad. <laughs> not bad um it, it wasn't bad at all but that was that was all i was doing i mean i was doing photography and doing school full-time um and luckily i had some savings for my time in the marines i was kind of making smart decisions but also like i was also like now needing to invest in new gear for the work that i wanted to be doing and upgrading cameras and you know having a car and all these expenses that i didn't have to have when i was in the military. So. There, there was a lot of transition all at once. Um, but the, I was, you know, again, throwing things at the wall. I didn't know what kind of photography I wanted to do at this point. Um, I knew I wanted to photograph people, but that was the only thing I knew. Um, and so I was kind of throwing things at the wall, you know, and figuring, trying to figure out what stuck, what did, what did I enjoy, what, what did people respond to? Um, yeah, and so it was like that first year of school was definitely like a experiment. Yeah. And do you a, feel an like experiment in time management and, and an
0: experiment in creativity? Yeah. Well, for sure. Well, actually, that's what I was going to ask about. So, I mean, it seems, I mean, it, it feels like everything you've done up to this point had prepared you for that kind of uncertainty, for that kind of experimentation, for that kind of, um, you know, like, I, I would say like difficult, I don't want to minimize it, but I don't want to maximize it either like a difficult transition to, you know, new place, new climate, new, all of these things. Right. Like, And you're probably starting you you at least understood that like oh yeah no the the you know basic allowance for housing and and the tuition paid like that stuff does come in but i still have to be enrolled in order to like earn it and and use it and manage it and all that stuff um so you, you but it seems like traveling around the world working a job having a side hustle and also you know being that person for for each of your units and 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 kind of doing all that stuff on the side, prepared you for this kind of lifestyle. So how uncomfortable was it and how much of it was like, hey, this is an experiment, but it's kind of fun.
1: The, it was a bit uncomfortable. The thing that was uncomfortable is I was now alone. Um, and I realized that I had so much community and support when I was in the Marine to do these things. Um, you know, so even, you know, doing photography, you know, I. In in El Salvador, you know, the Marines were like, oh, Cedric's going off to do photography. They kind of knew, you know, like someone knew where I was, you know, uh, and that felt made me feel connected. I moved to GEC with like knowing very few people, some people from the State Department, but like very few people not really having any friends um, to meeting people in school and starting to and trying to build a career. So it was was, that was the challenge for me. Um, The time management part was honestly fine. Um, I was prepared for that. I was prepared for like being tired of still kind of getting through things and doing all that, all of that, you know, that but, like the Marine Corps prepared me for the stress of it. Um, I think the biggest challenge in my challenge in school getting out of the military was that new culture um of kind of doing things on your own without as much support as you may be used to. Yeah, that loneliness, man, is such an important thing that just we don't talk
0: about it a lot. I mean, when I when I first when i left the air force after 4 years i went back to columbus ohio and i went to you know ohio state where i you know my whole family went to college and i'm a fan of the football team and i you know wanted to be there and i lived with my brother and my parents lived down the road and i had friends from high school and i um, actually had some friends that were still enrolled at ohio state at the time so like i had i had friends and family and people and then when i made the decision to transfer to full sail down in orlando which i i made that decision for academic and professional reasons, you know, like Ohio State was not providing the education and the training that I needed for what I wanted to go do. So I made the decision strictly through the lens of how do I go, where do I go to put myself in the best, you know, academic and professional position that I can. I did not even Mm -hmm. think about the loneliness of moving to a new city or a new state. And in fact, I thought that that would be fun because I had done it in the military. You know, I'm like, I'm good. I can move to new places. I can do new things. And I'll never forget I worked at I worked at P.F. Chang's um, in Columbus when I was at Ohio State, as well as another bar. And I basically transferred from that P.F. Chang's to P.F. Chang's down in Orlando, where I was going to be going to school. And I'll never forget like that first one of those first shifts. Somebody who's now one of my best friends in the entire world um, came up and he was like, oh, hey, you just moved here. He's like, do you need friends? And I said, Holy shit, I do, yes. He's like, cool, a bunch of us are going out, like blah, 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 And I, I went and then literally from that moment, like those are my people. And I'm so thankful that he did that at that time because I I don't know how long it would have taken me to like try to get to know people uh, because it's not something yeah. I ever had to like really try to do. And I think that's something yeah. that we don't talk about a lot as a part of our transition out of the military.
1: No, I mean, and also like you're transitioning out of the military, you're now a person who has, is older You've had a career, you traveled the world. you've done a lot of different things that some of your you know traditional you know college students would have experienced up at the up until this point. And so to me, that was also the thing. I felt so disconnected from the people around me because I was twenty uh, almost thirty, basically at that time, you know, a lot of the kids were like 18, 19, um, and so then they're going out to like parties on the weekend and I'm like, uh, no, I need to go make money. I have bills. I'm trying to build a career, you know? Um, and so that was actually like, that really, I was like, oh yeah, we're in very different places. Um, yeah. So making friends was challenging because of that, at least yeah. to live within like the college community. Yeah. Yeah, no,
0: absolutely. Um, okay. So, all right. So you're, you're there partying on the weekends and you're off <laughs> uh freelancing on the weekends and, and building a business what was it what 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 was that uh, so you you i think you said you leased you leased the studio in DC right and started started taking headshots and started taking photos for some clients
1: locally yeah so i well th- this is like even before that i um i was shooting you know i lived in a house with three or four other people we had a basement i was shooting headshots in the basement you know, and then eventually I started renting a studio that was really small um by the hour from time to time to use it. But then I realized this is I think the a, a testament to like the marine in me seeing and seeing a problem and finding a solution, that the studio that I was using when I was spending money on it, but I would show up and it would be dirty. Um and so I reached out to the studio manager, I was like, hey, do you need someone to like come into the studio once a week and clean up and you just pay me a studio time? And so then I started to get free time out of the studio. That then I could like now maximize a little bit more of my profits. Um, and then I kind of, you know, it was like, those were the kind of things that I, creative ways I was trying to find to make a little bit more money um, and make my life easier in this transition. And so it's great because now I've built this great relationship with the studio that like I had a key, I could go there when I needed to. Like I could like, you know, if anything was an error, or an, an issue going on, they would call me. But then also at the same time, I wasn't paying for any of the studio time I was using. Gosh, that's yeah. so smart so smart yeah um and it was like you know and i just realized that like okay i need to leapfrog off everything like if i do this one thing i need to like be able to like use that for this if i get this i need to use this for this and it was like that was like i mean up until this point it's still the same thing every time i do something i try to use that to get the next thing um and that was like using that studio to then do shoots that were like well, maybe I don't need to use this for a client because they're going to pay me. I need to use this for something that I need for my portfolio that maybe a client is not going to pay me for yet. So those are the kind of decisions that I had to start to make um, to sort of maximize that that opportunity. Um, Yeah, and then, you know, I was trying to do, again, at this point still – you know, I realized again, people, but I was doing headshots, I was doing portraits, I was doing things for models, but I was also like, okay, what else is there? You know, do I want to do real estate? Do I want to do this? All these ways of making money, because at that point, that was the main goal it was like making money and trying out different ways, different forms of photography. So I was doing a lot. Um, but saying yes to a lot of things at that time led me to some of the biggest clients that I have had today and, you know, still have because I was saying yes to a lot of different types of photography back then yes, i want I want to get there, but but rewinding
0: for just one second. So mm-hmm. um, you were talking about something I think is really important, which is that there are there are multiple ways to be compensated. and in in especially in the field that we're in, whether it's photography or cinematography or videography or um you know, marketing or whatever it is and and especially within the veteran community, you know, the it's 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 a tough subject to discuss right because sometimes people say like oh well come shoot this for me and you'll get i'll pay you an exposure you know what i mean i always make the joke where it's like um you know when i was tending bar and waiting tables i don't i don't need you to be nice to me i just need you to tip me like don't tip me with your kindness you know tip me with your cash like that's what i'm out here that's what i'm doing this for um and that being said there is a fine line there are other ways to be compensated especially if you're the one that is um, controlling that. And if you're the one who's doing those things intentionally, so can you talk a little bit about how you made those decisions and then maybe how you make them now, where, where you make the decision to to be compensated in studio time or to then use that studio time for, you know, a certain kind of client or, a, or, or, you know, maybe asking a friend um, to do a favor, to come be a model so that you can take something for your portfolio. Like, Can you unpack your approach, what it was then and what it is now?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it hasn't changed much. because I quickly, quickly realize that like, there are things that I don't need. Like you can pay me if you're trying to pay me something that I wouldn't buy with my own money, then I don't want it. You know, like, I don't need a new, another t-shirt. I don't need, you know, a, a free pair of jeans. I don't, that doesn't do anything for me. Um, but like my two best clients or two, the two things I've been paid for that were like the most beneficial to me in like in my entire career that I took in exchange for money were studio time and travel. So I networked back in the day and ended up meeting some people who ran a travel agency. They needed headshots for their travel agency and offered to pay me in travel. And so basically they offered me a certain number of trips and, and I can use them whenever I want it. And I was just like, Oh wait, this could be like, I need a trip in two weeks and it's 300 bucks bucks and either way it's covered. And I was like, that's, I wish I could do that. I wish I could have like 10 more of those. Cause I, I would take that today. Um, but you know, it was like, okay, yeah, that that's, that benefits me. Um, and I think that that's really what it comes down to when sort of bartering in any way, if that that's, that's what it is, is like, how does it benefit you? Is it something that's actually going to allow you to sort of take things to the next level that is going to allow you to invest in yourself? Um, that's going to like benefit you in the long run and not just be sort of a, a you know, a quick flash in the pan of something. Um, and that's how I sort of tried to navigate those things. And I have, you know, of course, turned down lots of opportunities that didn't fit that. Um, but I've said yes to a lot of things that did um, just because they, you know, or and it's sometimes just been a combination of things it's like, oh, we can't afford everything, you know, afford your full rate, but we can pay you this and also give you this. And it's like, okay. You know, sometimes you have to make those decisions if it works, if it fits. So, you
0: know, yeah, that, that makes sense. I think as long as you're, as long as it's intentional, as long as, you're the one who is is you know doing things on purpose and and getting right. things that you feel like you need that benefit you as a person or as a professional. Um, I think I think that makes that makes total sense. Yeah, um, there has to be
1: intention. I like, like you said. I like that you said intentional. Like that, I think is like the mm-hmm. most important thing. That like it has to be something that that is connected to your goals. Um, you know, that's it's intentional. It gets you where you where you want to be. Um, yeah. and not just you know. Again, something that's of no value in the end. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay, so you said so you were what 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 kind of clients
0: were you working? Were you starting to work with then and there and 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 who were you shooting for and where were you shooting and what 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 was um was that like? I was shooting
1: anyone and everyone. Um, (laughs) No, I mean, but I started to take out ads on Google back when like there was like a benefit to doing well back then like Google ads actually kind of worked with you or like a small business in an area. Um, so I was, you know, putting out ads for like people who needed headshots or portraits. And so I started to attract law firms and, you know, individual people and authors and like the DC area. Um, and of course, and I was out networking and making friends. And so then those friends would start to refer people to me and I would photograph drag queens and I would photograph for the nightclubs and I would do like promo stuff for literally everyone. Um, you know, like if they had money, then I would take it and I would do it and, because I just looked at everything at that point as a way to build my portfolio, um, and the more connections I made, the more work that would come, and that's that was that was happening. I was seeing it happen, um, and again, I was saying yes to lots of things. You know, um, you know, I, I fully believe in like the idea of saying yes, unless it's something that's like, no, this is negative, this is not a good, healthy environment. But like, no, there's work, there's pay, it could build my portfolio maybe a slightly less than I would normally ask for, but guess what? I'm going to learn something and I'm going to get something out of it. Bam, let's do it. So I would do a lot of that. Um, and that led me to, again, biggest clients that I've ever had. I ended up with a, I said, yes, to photograph a drag queen for a nightclub for a promo shoot. Someone who was at that shoot worked for the Washington Redskins reached out to me like a month later and asked me if I would do, if I'd be interested in shooting the entire film, stadium, all the suites in, in FedEx field. And I was like, I've never done that, but yes, you know? And it was like, I'll do it, you know? And then so like, that was my first big client, you know and contract was shooting this cool project for them. Um, you know, that lasted multiple seasons. And so then I, you know, like again, use that, use my, you know I'm there working, let me get photos. Let me get behind the scenes. Let me post this on Instagram so that people see this and then that led to the next thing where someone else is like oh we saw you were doing that you know we like to talk to you about this um and that soon after that is when i opened my studio in dc so it's like all of these big things and i tried to take them as like oh this is a sign that this is happening i should maybe up my game and take myself a little bit more serious and be more and more professional um and open a studio and then that way i can kind of work out of that and have you know, this, like, landing pad where I can take meetings and I can create my own professional environment. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's like, say yes, do the work, make incremental progress, and then and see what else opens from there. Right. Yeah. And then say yes again. And then say yes again. And then repeat, like, <laughs> just rinse and repeat. I mean, seriously, right? I mean, it's it's cliche, but it's true, right? Yeah. Um, awesome. And then you, so you started to uh did you were you like you started work in LA while you were in uh so I can you take us to like and I know we're going a little bit over how much more time do you have do you have a little bit more time Uh, yeah yeah okay cool um so uh yeah so walk us through walk us up to get us to dropping out and get us to like because you're to that travel guidance was like kind of crazy and I know you were going back and forth like DC to LA and all
1: that stuff like I want to hear about that yeah That five year DC period was like, basically like a whirlwind. I mean, I moved there in 2010, i sorry, 2011. I opened my studio in 2012, 2013. I was still at American university. I dropped out of American university in 2000, summer, 2013. um, I was doing some reserve stuff for the Marines in there too, which was kind of cool to be able to like get a little good good sort of chunk of money at a time that kind of helped me sort of fill in some gaps. Um, You were doing doing drill or were you, you were taking photos Uh, for that? I was doing drill. So I was IMA, oh. which was like individual Marine augmentee. So I could, I didn't do like a week in a month. I did all of mine during the summer. So like 40, 45 days all at once. So, um, or longer, but so I was doing that opened the studio in DC. Um, while I, that last little chunk of time in the Marines, I was working for as a congressional liaison. So I was working with the house and the Senate and they eventually became a client, you know, I was on Capitol Hill. You know, my studio was on Capitol Hill. I ended up working for, you know, Congress, again, as a photographer not as a Marine. So it was like a lot of these full circle moments. But during that, I realized that I wanted to do something that was much more creative, a little more glamorous, I thought, um, that was in that fashion advertising space. And so that's when I started to pursue work in Los Angeles a bit more. You know, having lived in California and San Diego before while I was in the Marines, I knew I wanted to go back out there and do something um, just to visit, if anything. But then I started to actually start, you know, make connections and work started to come. So I decided that I was going to move. So I was going to give up my studio in D.C., close that down and move to L.A. um, and did that in 2016. Um, In a way, that was a start over. You know, I knew that I wanted to push my career up, up, up a level and I wasn't going to be able to do that in DC and I had to do it in either New York or LA. I felt like LA would have been a bit was a better place because of the weather. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, but, but seriously. And uh, I so mean, yeah, I, it's not, it's not, not a thing. <laughs> it's not, not a thing, exactly. Right. So yeah, it was a start over. It was a really like a big pivot um, to like not do the corporate headshots, not doing the, you know, or I thought that I would do it. I thought I was going to move to LA and things were going to happen like they happen in DC, but I, there's a transition period that i didn't fully account for where most of my work was still coming from dc and i had to travel back and forth in order to like survive and pay my bills um while think while i was waiting for things to to happen in la and then take a part time job just to be able to sort of fill in gaps and you know it was like but to me all of that that struggle that challenge was going to be worth the payoff of getting things to that next level did um
0: yeah setting yourself up for success what part uh, what part time what type of work was it the part time
1: job Oh, i was working at like a a um a cl- of, uh cb2 the like furniture store oh okay um, so like retail yeah, yeah. type yeah okay yeah retail there you go Definitely yeah and retail. were you
0: um how did that how did that feel and the only reason i asked that is because i know that there's like you know those of us that are in creative careers i spent i mean the job that i have right now i mean i was work inside jobs while I was freelancing up until three years ago, like before I, you know, right before I have the job that I have now. Um, So, you know, it's kind of like that, like unspoken thing that we all Mm -hmm. do, um, you know, and it's cool to say that you, you, you used to do it, but then, you know, when you're actually in it and having to do it, it doesn't always feel great. So what did it feel like in the moment when you were doing that, even though you knew it was in service of, of your eventual career?
1: Yeah. I mean, it felt like, uh, I don't want to say it felt like a step backwards, but it felt like a something that was necessary in that moment. Um, It felt like a bit of a sacrifice of my time because of course, if I was there working, I couldn't be shooting, you know? And of course, every photographer director, you know, you want to be behind the camera, you want to be actually creating something. Um, As an artist, that's what you want to do. And so sitting at this job feels like it's taking away from that, Um, but it didn't take away from me paying my bills. So (laughs) like that, you know, like in the end, that was the trade-off is like, okay, I have bills to pay. And so while I'm in this moment of transition, I need to be able to do something. And so maybe that's a little bit of a sacrifice. But also it put me out, again, in a new city where I didn't know anyone, you know, much like when I moved to D.C., but I had co-workers that I was meeting who worked there. And I was meeting people who would come in and go shopping. And I was around, you know, interesting people who were doing also creative things in similar ways. They were working this part-time job to fund their creative work they were doing. And I'm like, oh, okay, so it's not just me. I'm not the only person doing this, um, but I'm also meeting really interesting people who are throwing my names out when they're in the rooms for other things. And so it actually started to feel like, oh, this is a bit of community that you know exists here. It's LA, everyone has a part-time job. Um, <laughs> you know, Everyone is doing something else. Yeah. Uh, so I eventually learned to embrace it until I didn't need it anymore. Yeah, yeah, that's
0: a really, really great way to look at it, especially in a place like LA. I mean, I think Another thing that's not not a thing is paying your bills, you know. And it's like when you when, when you need, you know, uh, money is important, um, and, uh, and and you know you've you've got to get it how you've got to get it. Um, okay, cool. So, what was it like to? What, what was the? How long were you? Were you? Transitioning into into LA and and kind of working a side job like that and and getting your foot in the door there.
1: How long were you going back and forth? What was that? What was the yeah, process so like, I, I quickly realized that my work would be very much about traveling. Um, you know, so I even while I was working there at CB2, I was still going back and forth to DC to do you know corporate clients and headshots and so on, and I would try to like funnel all of that into you know a a period where I could do a lot of work in a trip. Um, and then I started to have some other clients that were like traveling me or, you know, taking me around the country for, to Florida, to Ohio, to all these different places to do projects. So then work was starting to increase. And so I think I worked at CB2 for maybe six months, nine months, and then eventually was able to let it go. But it was a nice, while I wasn't there long, it felt like, it felt like a long time, but it, it, it helped me accomplish what I needed to accomplish. Um, and so then I started to do pursue in that, in that, at the same time, pursue more of the clients that I felt like I identified with. I wanted to work with fashion brands. I wanted to work with lifestyle brands. I wanted to work with ad agencies. And so it's just pushing work in that direction and trying to connect with those types of clients and traveling to New York because the offices for some of the clients I wanted to work with were there. And so even though they were going to shoot in LA, I was already there, but I needed to build those relationships in New York. So um, I honestly, my life, between 2006 and the pandemic was traveling i mean once a month you know i was on the road somewhere even if just within california but i was doing a lot of travel for a while um i i love that that's kind of now feels like a part of who i am yeah yeah I was, i've
0: always whenever it's come to you know people ask like oh do you like traveling that much it's like, the answer is yes i do like i just like to the, the travel aspect of it is like yeah, if you're built for it, you're built for it and it's great. Um, and so yeah, it sounds I, like it sounds like it's not something you had to get used to, which is good.
1: No, because I'd rather travel than not travel, you know, even if like if I could do work in one city. I mean, that's why I left DC. I was doing the same work over and over again in one place, and I wanted that variety. Um, and so traveling gave me that that. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, awesome. Okay,
0: so so 2006 to the pandemic. So what's um so so you're starting to you're starting to get those um, opportunities with fashion brands and advertising agencies yep. and, and all of that. Um, what, um, what was the, what was the cadence like as you were traveling and working with some of these brands and then getting like up until COVID, like what was, uh, what was the work turning into? What was it? Did did you actually, you know, succeed in getting the type of work that you wanted to get and like start to get some of the clients that you wanted to get? Did you get to a spot where you're like hitting a rhythm of, of working with the type of people you wanted
1: to? Yeah, I was getting a rhythm of of consistent work. Um, it wasn't always the work that was the most exciting, but it was a rhythm of consistent work. It was a work that was allowing me to travel and um, doing better than just pay my bills for the first time as a photographer. I was like, oh, okay, I'm doing better than just, you know, getting by. Um, and again, of course, I never let myself rest for too long. And I was like, oh, this is great. I'm making money. So how do I take this up a notch? And I'm like, oh, maybe I should go back to school and actually finally, finally finish my degree and maybe study something like photography. Um, so in 2018, I applied for um, three college, three photography programs because I wanted to finish my degree. I felt like that was gonna be the thing that like, fi- I was self-taught up until this point. Um, and so I wanted a little bit of formal training to sort of, I think, you know, sort of again, push me up a little bit. So I decided to go back to school um, and was trying to decide between San Francisco and LA. Um, and I picked LA because I had already put so much time and energy into investing in a client base and networking. And so I wanted to stay close to that. So while I was in school, I could still be working. Um, so I went back to school. Uh, luckily I got my associate's degree when I was on active duty. So I only had to do two years of of school uh, to finish. And so I went to the art center um, in, uh, Pasadena, California, which is like a very intense program, um, like a really intense program. And was that was more it was very intense, but I, I kind of didn't fully believe it. Um, so back to that, like time management sort of challenges of like, how do I work for like big clients? Don't tell them I'm a student and then also go to school at the same time without missing assignments and so on. Um, so that became my new 2018 to 20. 20 that was my life was sort of now balancing those two things
0: what was the mindset like for you so you I mean you're operating at a high level you're making money you're making more than just a living um but you wanted to learn more and know more about the craft and you wanted to kind of go back and do it academically what was the mindset for you to 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 do that
1: yeah I mean part of it was you know, with any school like Art Center um, or SFAI, where, where I also you know applied, um, you know, you have this huge network of alumni that you're also tapping into. There's a lot of people who've come before you. And so that was also a part of the, you know, when I started to research and look at schools, I wanted to see what photographers had come out of these schools and what they were doing now. Um, and I saw so many photographers that were doing what I wanted to be doing. You know, I was operating at the level that worked for me, but I felt like there was much more out there. And I, as I started to dig and research, I was like, oh, there's even much more than I thought out there. Um, And so that was the like, okay, let's see what I can learn. Let's see what I can take away from this, see who I can connect with. Um, And I think this is going to be like that next step to sort of taking things up a notch.
0: Yes. Yeah, so smart. I mean, that's just like one of the things, especially now, you know, you hear people say like, you know, college is dumb. College is stupid. Like we don't need it anymore. Like, you know, there's there's nothing you can't learn in the real world uh, on, you know, YouTube university or whatever it is. And to a certain extent, that's true. Right. Like maybe like yeah. 80% of it's true. Maybe 99% of it is true, but that 1%, the network that you're building, the connections that you're building, the relationships that you're building like the, the, um, that kind of like the humanity of that, like that human network is mm-hmm. crucial, um, yeah. both both to get you work, but then also to expose you to things that you might not otherwise know is out there. Like I, I love right. what you were saying about, um, about like, I, what are the people that I want to have a career like? What did they do? What are they doing? What do they know that I don't know?
1: Right. And I think that, you know, when I think about what I learned in school, what do I use the most, the The one thing I learned the most was the history of photography. So I was self-taught mm. before, you know, I was doing this, I was creating these great images, people, you know, clients were like, we love this, we like this, but I didn't understand the history of photography. So to go to a school where like Ansel Adams went, who's like developed a system that is used throughout photography. And now I understand that system of how to capture images, whether it's an analog or whether it's in digital, that are going to be sort of, you know, more accurate for the client or for myself or whatever it is that I'm cap, you know, that was like, oh, this is, this is cool. Like I'm learning art. I'm learning how paintings and photography work together, you know, and how like these, all these transitions of timeline throughout history of art. And I'm like, that gives me the ability to like be more articulate when I walk into a room and a client is Mentions a reference that i know that reference and i can sort of you know talk about how my work relates to that and how i can benefit them because i understand the references they're using like that was like i didn't realize that that was what i was going to walk away with but that's like the biggest sort of asset that i have from my time in 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 school
0: yeah it's so that's so it's such a like a that's such a great way to look at it like the 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 um it's like almost like the institutional knowledge you know like the the uh the like earned wisdom from the people that came came before um you know it's like that that phrase that's like what we mean when we say standing on the shoulders of giants you know what i mean like they're the yeah. ones who like did all that work and learned all those things they didn't just learn it and do it so that it can be put onto youtube so that somebody could um you know just do a passable job right. at it right right yeah yeah it's clutch um Okay, cool. All right. So, all right. So, uh, to, to to wrap this up, like, what are the what was the take us to to where you're at now? Um, and so so you you completed that program, uh, you know, you successfully kept it from your clients that you were also a student at the time, <laughs> which is silly. Like looking back on it now, especially in light of this conversation, it's just like so silly that that would even be. I'm not judging you. I'm just saying, like in general, it's silly to think that yeah you know, people wouldn't
1: appreciate it. You know what I mean? But I mean, people are people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that was, I just, you know, didn't want to be undervalued because I was continuing education, which is something that happens in our society. And so that it's was bizarre. That sort That's of, what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah it's, just... it's, it's extremely bizarre. Um, but I graduated, graduated during the pandemic in like, what, August, 2020, um, and moved to New York in October, 2020. Um, and Nothing changed. I mean, like during the pandemic, I sort of pivoted in a way where we were doing things remote. I was offering new things to clients so that they could still get their productions done. That like, you know, using Zoom as a way to like, let the client be a part of the project that I'm producing for them in LA and they're in New York, you know, doing all these things. Um, but the work continued and I, um, you know, moved to New York because there was gonna be a project I was gonna work on that didn't happen, but I need to quarantine for 14 days. So then I just, just stayed. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, for me, I've been like my, at the end of every year, I start to think about, okay, what do I want to do next year? You know? So now we're at the end of you know, 2022 and I'm thinking about what I want to do in 2023 and the end of 2020, I was like, okay, what do I want to do in 2021? And so I knew that, um, I wanted to travel more. I wanted to be doing work that was international and not just in the U S. Um, and I wanted to continue to maintain many of the clients I have right now in expand upon those and and bring in new work. Um, And so, you know, it's been uh, a journey to sort of maintain all of those things at once, you know, which takes, you know, a bit of organization, but also takes in like bringing in people for support. So I've brought in work with photography consultants to help me sort of understand my blind spots. Like, you know, the work for me is always personal. So like I bring someone else in who can help me see what I'm missing, you know, see who doesn't have that emotional connection to my work. and that's been beneficial to me. Um, and now working with, you know, uh, I have an agent who is, you know, someone that I can like bounce ideas off of and talk about my goals and, and things I want to accomplish, um, which is helping me get to the point where I'm now going to be, you know, doing more work in Europe, more work in France, more work in the UK, um, and sort of maintaining my same level of work uh, in New York and Los Angeles. That's Kate Ryan, right?
0: Yes, that's Kate Ryan. Yeah. Shout out, yeah. shout out to Kate Ryan. Uh she's great. I've she, uh, worked with a couple of her photographers, not just you. Um uh very cool. Okay, so you're yeah, so you're you're doing it. Like you're 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 um going back and forth and and like making these things happen that you want to have happen. So it seems to me like one thing that I've learned from this conversation is you have followed through on everything it is that you said you've wanted to do, but you've also pivoted when necessary, always in service of a version of what it is that you want to do. It doesn't seem like you're too married to the exact thing that you want to do. So much of it is like, I don't know if it's the spirit of what it is that you want to do, or if it's in that general direction. Is that something that you're self-aware of or is that something that just kind of happens?
1: Um, I think that if I were to like take a step back and go, you know, back 10 years and look at where I am now. I'd say I'm like in the area. I'm not too far off from where I want it to be. And so then that lets me know that all of the decisions I've been making along the way are kind of got me to this, you know, like I'm not just sort of like blindly walking and I'm like, oh, well, that didn't work. And I'll go this way. It's like, no, I, I, that didn't work, but this is maybe just the workaround to get there. Um, And so I feel like it's been a lot of that, you know, if I hit roadblock, the pandemic was a roadblock for many of us and some of us pivoted and kind of made it work and some of us didn't and now are doing different things and now are successful in those things. So I think that like, it's all about just kind of maintaining an awareness. And again, like I said, at the end of the year, I do those check-ins and I try to do those more than just at the end of the year but I'm doing those check-ins with myself to kind of see where do I want to be and how do I continue to pivot and make those moves that help me get to that, that place. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, I think that's as, as good of a place as any to, uh, to end this. Uh, I feel like there's definitely more to talk about. And so uh, we'd love to have you back on again um, to continue the conversation at some point. Anytime. I'd love to. Where, uh, where can people find you? Where can they find your work? Where do you want, uh, what do you want tagged?
1: Um, you can find me uh, on LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, Vimeo. Uh, yeah. And on my website, so it's CedricTerrell.com, Cedric Turrell on everything. Um, easy to find. Awesome. We will make sure that we uh, that we tag all of those. Well,
0: I um, really appreciate your time and uh, glad we got to have this conversation.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me. All
0: right. Thanks, Cedric.